Good morning, welcome everybody. You're listening to the Breakfast Show on Faith FM, eighty seven point six, eighty seven point eight, or eighty eight. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh man, I didn't, I didn't get to talk about yesterday. I had an epic picnic on the weekend. Oh, like such an epic picnic. Yes. Such an epically awesome picnic. We ate lots of great food and hung out with people, and it was great. That's awesome. Picnics are always good. Oh, it's so good. One of those things you can do outside. It's completely safe. There's we, sort of no COVID around and, and outside. This is the the problem is we were supposed to do a vegan cooking class, which I was really looking forward to, and that got cancelled. COVID. COVID, like literally overnight. It was like, okay, no one can be inside anymore. And I was like, all right. And so we're just like, let's just hang out outside. We went for a picnic at King Edward Park in Newcastle. If anyone knows where that is, it's spectacularly beautiful. Looking out over the water, there's the gardens there, the rotunda, like just nice green, big pine trees. I think they're pine trees. Anyways, it was amazing. amazing. And then I went and hung out with you. Yes. And it was great. Okay, this is what I'm thankful for, <laughs> is catching up with old friends you haven't seen for like ever. Oh, dude. Because you came to my place uh-huh. and we watched motorbikes uh-huh. and you brought a friend that I have not seen for so long. I don't even remember, what, 15 years probably? <laughs> I haven't seen this person. They turn up and I'm like, who is this? And it's like, oh, I know who this is. <laughs> yeah, shout out Jakey, bro. Yeah, so good. shout out this morning. It was oh, awesome. man. What a, what a good time. Yes. Always good to catch up with old friends. Always good to uh, catch up with current friends and always good to have a picnic. So if you are looking for something to do during COVID, then maybe a picnic is an idea. You know what else is interesting when we went over to your place? What? Just the epic state of your house. Just getting it done. I wish we'd been getting it done. It seems to be going pretty slow to me. <laughs> no, Taking a long it. time. Haven't had a lot of progress there for a while. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Bring us some positively different news. Yes. Okay. This morning, we're going to be talking about a couple of things. But the first thing, we're going to be talking about agriculture. I love agriculture. farming. I love growing I, stuff. I love farming. I know. This is right up your alley. And this, this is actually, that was actually kind of a pun because uh, we're going to be looking at a new form of farming that they are using in Honduras that is basically um, making land clear like farming obsolete right so particularly in tropical areas um the the uh, normally used method is you know land clearance you know tropical land clearance and they go through and they clear all the land and they plant everything and they usually only yield one crop right and, and move on um okay so they clear the land plant a crop grow that crop and then they go somewhere else and so then they they, go so they're always else. growing in virgin soil yeah because uh, which virgin is, soil is good soil. Because virgin soil, yeah, exactly. And they. But why don't they just keep? I mean, everywhere else in the world just keeps planting in the same place. No, but uh, particularly in the tropics, I was reading here. But yeah, they have this problem in the tropics, just with the type of soil there that it's it's it becomes non-viable, and so like it's a really wow. big problem with them. And so uh, this is in Honduras, a British. Uh, 
surveyor who has moved over there actually invented a new type of cropping that is completely self-sustainable. It's called Inga Alley cropping. Um, and it's essentially like this method that's used, that's all built around this specific tree called the Inga. Now, Inga is a family of the, uh, is part of the legume family and it has over 300 varieties. So it has the ability to almost be a whole food essentially, um, and to grow like crazy. And what they've found is that now, like, through this Inga cropping, they're basically, like, referring to it as turning water into wine because because of the traditional, like, uses, like, a traditional methods of farming in Honduras and how much land it takes and all these things. Now they're able to grow these, you know, legumes in such a small amount of space. They're basically like, this is a miracle. Like, this is incredible uh, because this is really cool. So, basically, they create these, what they call alleys. Oh, it looks like a bowling alley of these plants that is surrounded by other trees. Like, mm-hmm, instead of mm-hmm. clearing all the land, they create these alleys, put these, like... You'd think all the other trees would be drawing the nutrients out of the ground so that the alley wouldn't produce. No, but they're saying exactly the opposite happens. Leaves fall from the trees and basically provide the Inga plant sustenance. That, then this is what they're saying, like, the Inga itself, this plant is just, like... Amazing. It like, grows like a weed. It's incredible. But you can eat it. But you can eat it. It grows legumes and it grows like... Beans. Beans. like Beans really? that grow like a weed. Beans that grow like a weed. That is epic. And then, so so in this like form of farming, like they just sit it like within groups of trees and it it's able to suck the nutrients out of the trees and from the leaves that and fall the trees, down. And the trees, the trees provide the mulch. Yeah, provide the mulch, everything. And then so these plants, they grow and grow and grow and they're, they're dropping legumes as they go, which you can collect and live off of. Um, and then once they get up to about 180 centimetres, um, well, because they, they, grow, they grow up to like two metres, I think. And once they get between 180 centimeters two centimeters they chop them in half and then that literally provides firewood because it grows like a tree it like literally keep the keep the wood from the plant as firewood and then they just like which you know it depends like if you had a big alley then you've got like as you were saying the other day you know where you chop down one tree and you've got firewood from april till, till october basically uh-huh. For these guys, you know, in Honduras, they rely on fire a lot. They chop down these trees once it gets past head height. Chop it down, keep the firewood, leave all the leaves on the ground, which just go back into the soil as mulch, and they continue to grow. That's fantastic. Hey, big shout-out this morning to my son and brand-new daughter-in-law who are listening to Faith FM Breakfast Show from wow. Cohen on Cape York this morning. Well, oh, is, is Cape, Cape York's the highest point in Australia, right? Yes, it is. Yes. So wow. that's, And it's remote out there, so a remote location, can't buy a river. You know what this proves? Enjoying the honeymoon, listening the Faith to Faith of, FM. The Faith FM app can do anything. If you're not listening on the Faith FM app, Please listen on the Faith FM app. Yes. You will have no problems with Signal. You won't ever, like, be without us, essentially. We'll always... I think they might find a few places on Cape York where, <laughs> where they'll be lacking dead. Signal. But Cohen's not a bad effort. Mm. That's pretty good. That's, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's a wide reach. So grab the app. Oh, dude, awesome stuff. But anyways, yes, I just thought this form of farming was so cool. And it's, like, I, I it's something I want to practice. I'm like, damn, I want to set up an Inga alley in my backyard. Yes. And then just I wonder whether it would work with gum trees, though. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just To me, it just feels wrong to grow a garden beside trees, to grow beans beside gum trees. But anyway, yep. would be interesting. I would love to see uh, some kind of 
edible product that can be grown right beside gum trees. Uh-huh. 100%. All right. So I have another, some, some, uh, awesome medical news and research and, uh, basically products that have been created. This is a, a blood test. Okay, actually, this is pretty amazing. I, I kind of sounded like a, a bit of a salesman there, but no, this is actually really, really amazing. Like, check this out. This is a blood test that has just been developed and it's about to be released to the, you know, to um, the hospitals and all these kinds of things uh, that can uh, detect 50 separate cancers with an 80% success rate. Now, okay, that's cool. Now, that's cool. Because, and this is important because this is like the difference. Because, like, if you do a blood test, they can detect cancer quite easily because they just see, you know, the depletion of white blood cells and they're like, okay, you've got cancer. But the problem that they have often is diagnosing. Where is it? Yeah, where it's is it? It's in there. Where but is it? Particularly when it's in its early stages and it hasn't created tumors yet. And you can't see it. And you can't see it and you can't find it. And it's like, well, well what are we going to do? And then you just have to be constantly monitored until it goes further and then they can detect it. But this blood test uh, through DNA methylation, this is the, the, the method that it uses to find, uh, find which cancer you've got. Uh, essentially, yeah, just has the ability to see what type of cancer you have before the tumor stage. Wow. This so, is like, okay, yes. So, it, so it's going to tell you it's in your stomach, it's in your liver, it's in your yep. brain, it's in your lymph nodes, wherever it's going to be, it's going to tell you where it is. Like literally this is what they're saying. They can, you know, see the difference between breast cancer, pancreatic cancer, whether it's in the esophagus. Like they have the ability to see that through this blood test, which is like revolutionary. Um, essentially, they, uh, they've they been doing clinical trials still at the moment now. Uh, the, the company who's releasing it called Grail from the UK, uh, they're currently conducting a test that the results will be released next year um, with 140,000 people. But from the 8,000-person trial that they already did, uh, they found that it had an 80% success rate. Yeah, that's fantastic. which is incredible, like oh, yeah, well above average uh-huh, uh-huh. of what they already have. So, and, and this is stage one cancer. Like this is when it, there's no tumors. Like it's it's this is there's nothing the, to see, nothing to see here. Critical phase. Yes. So I think this is uh, just amazing things happening in our world at the moment, and it's good to see. Yeah, as we're heading towards the end of time, at least we can uh, have some things to be sure in some positive news. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Right, Lyle, what's happening okay. in current news? Well, with uh, Euro 2020 happening, uh-huh. the Royal Society for Public Health in the United Kingdom has done some research. They have found that 77% of adults and 66% of children support a ban on gambling advertising before 9pm. And so this is in line with a lot of other uh, advertising bans that are out there which uh, relate to public health. Yes. And, uh, of course, gambling is a massive public health issue. This is one of the greatest contributors to uh, the depression pandemic uh-huh. that we have uh-huh. uh, in our world right now. And so this is not just a social issue. This is this is very, very much a public health issue. And recently, you know, they've banned things like, you know, advertising high-fat foods, high-sugar foods, um, alcohol, cigarettes, all that kind of thing before 9 p.m. And they're saying, hey, okay, we need to do the same with gambling. You know, this is something that is destructive for our children. It's something that, uh, you know, children get hooked on. It's highly addictive. Mm-hmm. And this was research that was conducted amongst 12, around about 12,500 adults, 2,500 
children. Uh, amongst those, there were 63% of adults and 53% of children. And by the way, the childrens were aged between 11 and 17. Uh-huh. So not like toddlers. Yeah, internet age, I would yeah, say. Yeah, 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 internet yeah. age. Um, there was 63% of adults, 53% of children that supported a total ban. Mm. Now, I've seen the effects of gambling. I've seen families that have been just torn apart mm-hmm. by gambling. I've seen people, and I know people right now, who are just completely addicted to gambling. I've seen that the change that, you know, the first COVID lockdown made in their lives when, you know, the pokies were all shut down. And how over the space of, you know, five, six weeks, they suddenly had money for the first time in their lives ever. Wow. I've seen these people literally living off of barely one meal a day because of their gambling addiction. And it's good to see that there is support for doing something about this. Of course, the uh, Euro 2020 and the major sponsors and the media that is going to be bringing it to us are like, no, we're not going to be going down this particular path. Gambling is giving us a lot of income with their advertising, and so they're not planning to ban it. But in the UK, strong to support to get rid of it. Ah, oh, that's crazy. Dude, in Australia... Gambling is like in terms. Gambling advertising is massive. This is just like, endemic. You can't. You cannot go on social media yep. without, like, if for any period of time without running into, you know, one of the the big names in gambling. Like, it's because it, it, it's all online now, and they're all advertising. Oh, you know, you can do these bets, and this is how you can win, and da 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 da. Like, yeah, it's wild. Come on, we need. Okay. It needs to change. Like, it does. It does. It needs to change. We need to do something about it. And, you know, sports is probably the most relevant place for a time-based ban on gambling, you know, nothing before 9 p.m., because, mm. you know, most of the other media we can see, consume is streamed and so forth, and so it's pretty irrelevant. But sports is something you want to ha- watch it happen while it is happening, and so this is an area in which we can actually make an impact. Mm. All right, so the uh, North Carolina governor has just vetoed an anti-discrimination bill. Oh. So that's different. Okay. Uh, the reason being is that this anti-discrimination bill applies to the unborn. Okay. So you're allowed to discriminate based on race or genetics or sex provided the person hasn't been born yet. Ah. Wow, that is the yeah. most saddest twist to that story, like, ever. It is. Like, oh, yikes. You know, that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. It, it just breaks my heart. This kind of stuff breaks my heart because, you know, we live in a world today where we have fought so hard to get rid of discrimination. Mm. And discrimination is just a terrible thing. Mm. And yet if a child is unborn, we are allowed, to, not only are we allowed to discriminate, we're allowed to take their life based based on no other reason than their race, their sex, or their genetics in many places. Mm. Mm. In fact, uh, sex-based discrimination of the unborn has resulted in some countries having a massive um unbalance between the number of men and women that are available. Mm. And, of course, that creates a rise of incel and all of these kinds of, you know, really, really crazy things, and it it creates a rise in abuse of women. Yeah, 100%. That's what it does. Well, dude... Aborting no, children yeah. based on their race is, is inherently abuse. Like just from just from the get go, like 
But furthermore, like when you, when you then create a social circumstance where you've like something that a group of people that should not be a minority are now a minority. Yes. Of course, it's going to lead to just terrible it's, it's, consequences. It's, it's what it is, is it's, uh, it's eugenics based, um, it's eugenics based abortion. Yeah. Oh, yes. You can't describe it any other way than eugenics based abortion. Uh huh. And this was going to be made illegal. Uh, they, they passed the legislature by 67 to 42. It passed the Senate by 27 to 20. And, and the governor, tu- governor turned around and vetoed it. Oh. Now, he's going he's gonna to have a hard time Yikes. getting that veto to stand, given the level of support that there is for the... I think it's kicked out. I mean, because 67 <laughs> to 42, that's more than a two-thirds majority. Yeah. And the state of North Dakota uh, can overturn a veto based on a two-thirds majority. But even still, if nothing else, it's a delaying tactic, and I think that's just absolutely terrible. It, it's, a, it's a commentary on the mindset of the world in which we live. Now, they have, uh, of course, similar legislation uh, has already passed in South Dakota, Arizona, Ohio. Um, it was appealed through the court system in Ohio. The appeals court uh, backed the Ohio case whereas the circuit court, which is lower than the appeals court, struck a similar piece of legislation down in Arkansas. Mm. So watch this space. Let's see if one of these will make it through to the Supreme Court. Yeah, wow. Okay, overnight, four Catholic churches banned, uh, sorry, not banned, um, burned in Canada. Four Catholic churches burnt to the ground all within hours of each other, all on Indigenous land. Okay. Now I've just got to say this: there is no positive that comes out of this. Yeah, 100%. this is not the this way to. A, this, this is a lose lose. This is a lose lose, and we don't want to have lose losers. We want to have answers as to why 966 uh, children have been found buried in Canada in Catholic-run uh, educational systems. There, mm. Indigenous children. We need to know about this. Um, we need to learn from our history. We need to respond in a non-violent way. But, you know, it reminds me of a passage of Scripture that comes from Revelation chapter 17, and this is something that I've been mulling over lately. Uh In verse 16 it says, The ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the whore and will make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. And so this is describing what will happen just before Jesus comes back, Mm. where the secular world will see through the religious world and all of the sins of the religious world will be exposed. Yeah, well. And we are starting to see this happen, and we're going Mm. to see a lot more of it take place before Jesus comes back. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Pretty much, yeah, let's get on to our interview for today. Yes, joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. Sven Erstring. Dr. Sven, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Lyle. It's good to be back on the show with you. Yes, we are kind of sad because you often join us in the studio, but with COVID, a lot of people are working from home at the moment, and I'm assuming that is the same with you. Uh, well, yes, I, I thought, oh, I didn't really want to wear my mask in with you guys. It might look a bit silly, but but on saying that, uh, masks are very important at this time, so don't let me discourage you at all from that. I was talking with a police constable this morning and um, in Newcastle, and he's been getting a lot of calls. With regards to masks, so, so let me encourage you with that if you're asking about where you mask. Yes. Okay. Fantastic stuff. What are we talking about this morning? What are we uh, apart from masks and COVID? Um, what's our What's our subject today? Okay. So our subject today is a bit of a journey that I went on 
um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I went to a Christian conference, um, and the topic was the age of life of on Earth, and um, I, I attended a number of the presentations. Unfortunately, I couldn't attend all of them because I had to go to a baptism, uh, which is always very exciting, and it was a baptism of someone studying uh, the philosophy of science, so that was even uh, more amazing. Um, but the the interesting thing is this, Lyle, is that uh, all of the presenters, or at least the the, the vast majority, you know, 90, 95% of the presenters actually um, expressed their belief that life on Earth has been here for billions of years, in the order of about 3.5 um, billion years, and of course that goes back all the way to you know the first um, hypo- um, hypothesized living cell, and so oh, it was re- it was very interesting. It was um, you know I was I was sitting there in the audience uh, learning um, about uh, the views of of the these uh, Christian um, and and also thinking to myself, okay, I'm I'm here. Uh, as somebody who believes that God created life recently, um, about six to 10,000 years ago, over a literal six-day period, and then we had the first Sabbath, and yet I'm listening to these um, uh, genuine Christians presenting uh, reasons why they believe that life has been here for billions of years. So um, it was very interesting, but also, Lyle, it was a challenging uh, experience as well, not in the sense, uh, let me say this, that, that I found what they were presenting challenging, but I guess it's challenging when you uh, realize or, or uh, know, shall I say, that there's there's genuine followers of Jesus um, who, who believe quite differently on a very, very big topic like creation and of which I'm, I'm very interested in as well. Okay, so um, Dr. Svenerstring, the, the question that comes to my mind is, well, really the two big questions. How do, how does this group of people deal with the two big questions? First of all, that God uses death as his means of creation. It's the, it's the mechanism by which he creates. So therefore he is a God of death and pain and suffering rather than a God of love. First of all, how do they answer that question? How do they deal with that difficulty? Secondly, how do they deal with the whole atonement of Jesus Christ? The wages of sin is death and God's desire to eradicate death. If God uses death to create, why would he want to get rid of it? Yeah, those those are very, very big questions, Lyle. And um, can I just put a pause on those questions for just a moment? Because I went on a... um, a website called Cold Case Christianity um, in, in my lead-up and my preparation for this interview. Um, it's by a detective, and he was a detective in California, uh, a, a man by the name of Jay Warner Wallace. And uh, trending right at the moment on his webpage is a, a question, can Christians disagree about the creation account in Genesis? And so I want to give you a very, very obvious answer uh, to that question, and that is based on my experience and also based on the experience of others, uh, yes, Christians can disagree in the sense that they, they do. That, that's a fact. 
Yes. And that's what I experienced at the at this conference on the age of life on earth. And and so one of the things for our listeners, uh, for all of you who are listening to this breakfast show and this interview, one of the things I think which is is important and can be you know, can be thought provoking and puzzling for, for you would be the, the fact that, you know, Christians do disagree and, and you might get to the point and you might say, well, there's disagreement. There's, there's, um, you know, uh, some Christians believe this and some Christians believe, uh, that it was, it was a recent creation over a six day period. And what do you do with that disagreement? What do, you, what do you do with, you know, the fact that there may be this agreement? And I want to say um, that the key thing is to say that there are disagreements on the creation account in Genesis. But the key is to say, let's find the truth. Yes. Let's, let's go to the Bible. And where do we find the truth? I want to say to you that we have to go back to the Bible. And... Uh, we want to dive into it. And what you find is that when you read through Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and it goes through uh, each day. And there was evening and there was morning the first day, all the way through to uh, the finish of the work of creation at the end of the sixth day and then the seventh. And then you come to the Ten Commandments where, G- uh, where Jesus, uh, God, was publicly uh, talking to approximately a million um, Hebrew slaves who'd been freed from Egypt. And um, and this is what he says to them in the fourth commandment. He, he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why? You go through to the end, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, so Lyle, I want to encourage um, all of our listeners that the key is to say, okay, I'm going to find truth for myself. I'm going to, to explore it. I'm going to go on a journey uh, with, with people who I spiritually trust as well and and that would be uh, that would include you, Lyle, as well. Um, but to go on that journey, because I think there's there's a number of things here, and, and you've already alluded to them, Lyle. But the first one is this: Is there a possibility that science is wrong? And I want to say yes, there is. Yes, there is. There, there's a possibility that that science is is wrong, and. One of the things that I really noticed in this um, this conference was that a lot of the presentations were simply saying, this is what science says, and moving on, if you know what I mean. In terms of it was, it was simply reciting the scientific narrative. Sure. Uh, so, so we recite the, we, we, we present the, the, the Big Bang Theory, but there was no... Uh, critical analysis, which is very important education, to dive down into it, do we actually have to accept the Big Bang Theory? Um, and, and then we move on to, to geological dating models, um, uh, dating models with regards to you know, trees and, and lakes and, and things like that. And we really need to, to ask ourselves, 
um, why why does science come up with these uh, dates? Is there the possibility that these dates are wrong? And it reminds me, um, while of this famous famous verse in the Bible, in Proverbs, a beautiful one which which kids love, but is still so important. It says this: Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. And, and while I think that's so important, we need to learn to trust God. So much of science, even though it's very good and, and it's you know, encouraged us to, to wear masks and, and um, uh, you know, has, has developed amazing cures, there are times when, when science leans on its own understanding, on human understanding, and we need to acknowledge that. We need to be willing to trust God over and above our own understanding. That's very, very important. I think we also need to acknowledge just how much you know our scientific textbooks have been rewritten um, over the last you know hundred years or so, where things that we have taught as yeah. fact are no longer fact, and that there is yeah. always the possibility of our understanding of science being rewritten. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Now I want to come back to the questions you asked earlier because I I promised that I would, yes. and the second reason is this is that we need to really um, be very careful and think through um, carefully the picture of God that we get from these two different um, views of creation. So, so one view is the view that the Big Bang Theory is true, that, that life evolves over time, and we have the big question of the fact that in that picture, God used um, death and suffering to create um, life on earth. And this is a very, very, very big question. It really changes the picture of God. And, and we need to understand that. And, and um, if it changes our, our picture of God to the point where it is no longer the biblical picture, then we have to say there's a problem there. It's very, very important to, to have the true picture of God. And, and also, as you were uh, mentioning before, the question is, uh, where did all of the pain and suffering and sin in this world come from? Was it, was it a process that, that, you know, kind of flowed on from our, our biological roots? Or was it actually our choice as human beings? And that, that Jesus came to save us, to die for us, because we, uh, we had that original fall into, into sin. And that's a very important thing as well. Once you start to, to um, undermine the, the biblical picture of creation, it starts to erode the, the whole um, history of God's love and his plan of salvation as well. We have to we have to be careful of the the impact, the the, the following effects, if I could put it that way. And and I want to tell you, uh, Lyle, that you know I I loved science when I was in school. I you know um, studied maths um, and and physics and things like that as part of my engineering. So when I come to you know, a conference like this, and I start to um, listen. What I'm saying to, to myself is this. 
these are these are respective, uh, respectable um, and and well educated scientists who are presenting. Um, that they're, they're good, genuine Christians. They're very sincere as well. But when I listen, what I I hear is this: is a um, a lack of uh, not not just willingness, but but more the effort to dive deeper, to to challenge science, to understand um, what the picture of God, which is being portrayed. And I want to say, Lyle, that I want my picture of the Bi- of God to be shaped by the Bible. I want to find the truth about God from the Bible. And, um, you know, the fact is this, is that when we go to the Bible, uh, we find an incredible picture of God who is willing to step into our world, not only um, to save us from sin at the cross, um, but also way back at the beginning, who stepped in and miraculously created life, not through a process of, of pain and suffering and death, but through miraculous creation of um, instantly, you know, you have you have dolphins and you have uh, baboons and you've got butterflies and and you know the sun and moon and stars and things like that. It's an incredible picture of God. And in the end, what you find is that was in Genesis, but at the end of the Bible in Revelation, the message that we have is this: is that that same God, that same interventionist God, who who's so involved, so focused on our world and, and and his plan for us. He is going to intervene and come and save us. Mm, yes. Jesus is coming again. And this is the picture of the Bible. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to, to take the picture of the Bible, to take the picture of God that we have in the Bible and to trust in that God. Um, not in the, the picture that that science portrays of creation, but the picture that we find in the Bible, that is the good news that the Bible teaches. Absolutely. Dr. Sven Erstring, thank you so much for sharing this morning. Uh, fascinating research that you've been able to do there attending that particular convention. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.